The weekend's over. Uh-oh. Sounds like somebody's got a case of the Mondays. Monday Motivators. Woo-hoo! Helping you start the week with your best foot forward. On Monday Motivators, we're speaking with retired England goalkeeper and current pundit Paul Robinson this morning. Okay, so let's be honest. Not many kids grow up wanting to be that lad in the goal. How did your journey as a goalkeeper start out? Uh, what was it that drew you to that position? I was good at it. I think that was the <laughs> that was the case. I think I, I did try. I played outfield a little bit. Yeah. But I think when it was when it was serious and you got older, um, it was just something that I found I was good at. But you know that the the first part of that, I think a lot of kids are growing up now wanting to be goalkeepers because I think the stimulus has changed. You look at Edison. You look at Allison. You look at the the, the top class goalkeepers now. The way that they're playing with the feet. The way that they're doing crow turns on the edge of the box. I think you know a lot more younger younger kids are growing up wanting goalkeeper shirts these days than they did possibly in the past. How much does size sort of play into it? I think it does, yeah. Obviously, it, it helps. I mean, there's not that many small, good goalkeepers because you have to be commanding of your box. The the aerial ball, you have to come for the crosses. Um, yeah, it, it, height and, and, and size does. Uh, it does help being a goalkeeper. You look at Nick Pope, you look at the you know the size of him, the way that he's able to dominate his box. But I think it's becoming less important in the goalkeeping area simply because of the way that football's now been played. Gone are the days where the ball's thrown into the box regularly. Uh, there's a lot of high balls. The, the goalkeeper's job's becoming very, very different. So I think the size is becoming less and less important. Being goalkeeper is, is quite often a thankless task. Mistakes are glorified uh, and highlighted, while brilliant performances are only... They only really matter when your team wins, or at least that's the way the media portrays it. How do, how do you pick yourself up after making a costly and very public um, mistake, simply because of the nature of the sport? How do you pick yourself up? It's difficult, um, and it's, it, there's no school to go to. It's, you, you have to learn yourself, and it's how you deal with it as a person. Until you make a mistake, until you have that criticism, it's new to you. When you're, when you're a young kid, you're doing well. You go through the youth team. You get into the reserves because you're doing well. You get into the first team because you're doing well. You're playing weekly because you're doing well. And everything's been brilliant and everyone's telling you how well you're doing. Then all of a sudden, it, it's not going so well. And you have to learn how to deal with it as a person. So as well as a footballer, it's a, it's a test of your mental strength as well. And like I say, there's, there's no school that can go to to teach you that. It's something that you have to have. From my point of view, I, I describe it as a golfer's mentality if you're, a, if you're a goalkeeper. Because you can't try and put right what you've done wrong because it's gone. It's finished. I mean... The, the, the golfers are the, the world's best at it. Two years ago, the Masters, Tiger Woods, he took a 10 on a par three and then he birded the next hole. If that was me, my clubs would have been in the water. I'd have been gone. <laughs> I'd have been finished. But the, the, the mental strength that they have, they have the ability to go, right, that's happened. That's done. There's nothing I can do about it. We move on. And it's, it's, a, tough, it's a tough task. Yeah, because it does carry on for the next match, and then the fans, they're, they're pretty brutal, right? Oh, there's 40,000 people reminding you of it every time you go near the ball, yeah. Yeah. That's tough. I can only imagine. Now, you spent nearly two decades as a professional footballer. What are the biggest cultural and social changes that you've seen among the newer generation of footballers? I think the the game's changed on the field first. I think it's a lifestyle now more than it's ever been. It's 24-7. It consumes you if you want to be the best, the very best. You look at the likes of Ronaldo, you look at Ibrahimovic, you look at Lewandowski, you look at the ages that they're playing and how footballers are looking after themselves to the point of you know what they eat, what they drink is, is monitored to the nth degree. And to, to get to that elite level, managers are looking for that tiny little bit of percentage and as are players. So it's now more time-consuming, life-consuming than it ever has been. And I think off the field, the media scrutiny, um, the amount of 
accessibility that you've got to watch games now. You can watch any game anywhere in the world, any point. After the game's finished, you can bring up the goals, you can bring up the highlights. There's no hiding place at all now. So I think everything is scrutinised ten times more than it ever was. And I think the the social media side of it, the, the media that's, that's online, the the speed that things are uploaded online and people's opinions as well you you know you have to have a very thick skin to be a footballer now or you take yourself away from it or you become George Best <laughs> you handle That's things quite differently but what a fantastic player yeah okay so this this is a little tongue-in-cheek so we're looking for some tongue-in-cheek answers now you've played in Yorkshire for Leeds yeah. Spurs in London uh, Lancashire uh, Blackburn Burnley if you had to rate three regions based on food weather and friendliness how would you do it there's only one Yorkshire. I'm a Yorkshire <laughs> And even when I played for Blackburn and Burnley, I still lived in Yorkshire. We tried Lancashire for about six... We rented in Manchester for six months, yeah. and it wasn't for us, so we moved back home, and I ended up travelling across the Pennines every day. So for seven years at Blackburn and two years at Burnley, we, we stayed in Yorkshire. So we, without a doubt, for me, Yorkshire is, is top of everything. You know, it, it took God seven days to make the world. Six of them he spent on Yorkshire. That's oh, <laughs> yeah. That's... So Yorkshire, Yorkshire for me. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed my time in London, and Lancashire I've not spent enough time in. So Yorkshire, London, Lancashire in that order. Gotcha. All right, so we, we touched a little bit on social media. What are your personal thoughts on social media and their impact on the sport? Do you have any advice for young budding footballers dealing with this sort of additional platform of criticism and or praise? Yeah, that's it's a very difficult one. It's a, a highly talked about topic at the moment, social media. Um, I'm not a fan of it myself, personally. I've got two idle accounts that I don't use that were opened a long time ago for business um, I don't have them on my phone I don't have the login details for them and I, I choose not to use social media it's it's not for me but that's my personal preference I'm obviously old school in that way if I want to ring somebody up I'll, I'll pick the phone up and call them or I'll, I'll message them likewise if people want me they've got my number they message me um, I, I don't want to open myself up to that world but that's my personal preference I think it's a fantastic tool if it's used properly um, for networking for business um, for for keeping in touch with people, but I think it's it can be used wrongly as we've seen with, with the way that footballers get abused, and at times you have to have a very thick skin um, if if you're going to read these messages after you've had a bad performance, and it gives people access to footballers that they're not necessarily would have, and I think it's difficult at times because people say things behind a keyboard or in a in a football stadium for example that they wouldn't say to you in the, in you know if, if you're crossing the road with your family so in a football stadium somebody two rows back might shout a, a load of abuse at you whereas if you were walking down the road with your, your family they'd probably stop and ask you for a picture um it just gives people a platform where they can hide away and give vicious views or say things for for the sake of saying it so i think there's a lot to be done in police in social media but it's very very difficult how to do it um, I think these social media platforms have to take responsibility and there has to be more done to to have some more online policing, in all honesty. What's, so what's your position on footballers responding to criticism online themselves? They have a right to respond. Yep. Um, you know, p- people say what they want to say and, p- and footballers have a right to respond or a right to ignore. But when it gets to personal abuse then it, it's too much and that's where the social media platforms have to take a responsibility like I say it's not for everybody and it, if, if it's used correctly it's fantastic but it can be misused very easily that's it I, maybe just one message for for all your fans have you got one it's fantastic to be back in Malaysia um, love being back in the Astro Studios watching the Premier League games now Covid the borders are open again it's fantastic to travel and I'm thoroughly enjoying my time here in KL 